Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Rivas swings and hits one to the right center field gap. It drops in. Duffy will score. There's one run. Alcantara advances to third, and he's being held up by third base coach Willie Harris. And the Cubs within one. He swings and rips one in the right field. Coming in. Gamble dives. He doesn't make the catch. Coming in to score. The time run is Alcantara. The Cubs have tied up the ball game. Swindell at the pitch. Round ball to left, backhanded by Newman. Toss across. Not in time. Cubs win. Cubs win. Frank Swindell with an RBI infield single. And the Cubs walk it off. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Now, that's the kind of thing, Sean Anderson, that's going to get angry White Sox fans, which usually I count you among, to say, oh, oh, the Cubs highlights. Who's the first place team? Sox won last night, too. But, folks, let the record show Sean Anderson with the solo opinion on what should be in the open, and it's the red-hot Chicago Cubs having won five in a row and yes, uh, I dropped it on Friday during a short Parkinson Spiegel, much to the derision of Shane Reardon and Chris Tannehill and, of course, Danny Parkins. And now it's everywhere in the papers and the headlines, the Schwindy City. There it is, because it's Frank's world, baby. It's Frank the Tank's world. The fifth best on-base plus slugging in MLB over the last 30 days belongs to Frank Schwindel. Along with names in the top 10 like Juan Soto and Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge and Bryce Harper and Matt Chapman, Giancarlo Stanton and Jose Abreu there, I believe, at number 11 over the last 30 days with the best OPS in MLB. But Frank the Tank is right there. We will talk about him for sure. We will talk some Cubs along the way for sure. And we'll talk plenty of White Sox in this first hour here as they withstand some relentless rallying by the Kansas City Royals in a surprisingly competitive game considering the way it started last night. And I think, are they now 9-9 nine and nine against Kansas City with one more to go today? I believe that is true. The Royals have played the White Sox well, like few in that division have, frankly. 
And the there will be a meeting of the Salvador Perez Appreciation Society at some point this morning, along with, of course, our seemingly weekly meetings of the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. Good morning, everybody. It is Hit and Run. It's me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on a Sunday morning on 670 The Score. We're going to talk Abreu specifically, at least as a starting off point, with our friend Kevin Goldstein from Fangraphs, the longtime front office employee and executive for the Houston Astros will join us in the 11 o'clock hour. He was there when Abreu auditioned for multiple MLB scouts just before he came to the White Sox. And he can also talk with us about what was before with Abreu, something we've referenced but maybe have not um, dove, dived, dived, right? I always put myself in a trick bag there. Have not dove sounds wrong. Have not dived. I'll work this out on my own time. I think We've, it's Divin. It, 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 there's no way it's Divin. Oh, okay. There, there's no way that's the case. It's impossible. So I'll work that out on my own time. We've never dived, dove, Divin. See, I did it again. Talked myself into a conundrum. We've never gone deeply into those 10 years of excellence in the Cuban League for Jose Abreu. Because, like, just do the math on what the numbers might be. And we'll do that by the time we get to 11 o'clock. Um, we, we will do some of that math and figure out exactly where Jose Abreu is and would be had he been here because it's pretty freaking remarkable. Um, I promised you last week a deep dive, dove, divin, a deep dive into the state of the Cubs roster as we approach the offseason because, man, there's a bunch of people who are making interesting cases to be part of of the spring training mix. And we don't know exactly what the offseason is going to bring in terms of spending, in terms of investment, in terms of aggressiveness. But Cubs might have more pieces ready to contribute at the big league level next year than we had given them credit for. So we need to talk about that. Who do we do that with? We'll do it in two ways. Our friend Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic will join us. He's been doing a, a piece, uh, they're on the team for next year, on uh, The Athletic about some of these Cubs. We'll talk to him, get his viewpoint on it. And then how about Ron Coomer, who sits above and broadcasts passionately as he watches these games. And Coomer's been great of late. Heard a lot of Zach been right in there. I've been hanging out with, uh, with Zach and with Coomer and with Pat Hughes at times on the balcony listening, and those guys are just, they're pros, doing what you are supposed to do, even when a team is kind of playing out the string. So we'll talk to Sahadev and Coomer next hour. Goldstein in the 11 hour about Abreu and more. This first hour is wide open for you and for me at 312-644-6767. That number is how you join the Tech Zone, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time Shop online at rosenhyundai.com as we broadcast live from the Scores Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. dealers excuse me. I, I could not recommend any higher Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Scott Levy and his whole staff over there, tremendous to work with as uh, I procured a um, Hyundai Tucson uh, a few months back and just could not be happier with it. So anyway, your phone calls and your texts are welcome all hour long, as I said, it's me, Matt Spiegel, it's him, Sean Anderson, and we'll be right here. And guests will join us a little bit later on. And when they do, it'll be on the Circa Resort and Casino hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. 
Um, what's today? Today is the 5th of September. Um, 33 days from now, I will be in Las Vegas at the aforementioned Circa Resort and Casino for Bears and Raiders that weekend. That will also be the weekend of the first round of the American League playoffs. The American League Division Series will be taking place. I guess, theoretically, the second round after the wild card game. But um, those games should be very, very interesting, and we'll all be watching to see how the White Sox do, probably against the Houston Astros. At this point, it would be on the road at the Houston Astros, but just by a tiny little bit. The White Sox are one game back of the Astros in the loss column. They have the same number of wins. I would recommend they catch and pass the Houston Astros for what would be home field advantage in that first round. The White Sox are 22 games over 500 at home, and they have a 500 record on the road. That's a big difference. Go ahead and get those to be home games. But anyway, when we get there, we'll be interested in all sorts of things about the White Sox, of course. We'll be interested in what the lineup is doing. And Yasmani Grandal looks terrific since he has come back from both sides of the plate. A lot of power, which is tremendous to see. And his power from the left really does a lot to help balance out that White Sox lineup. Luis Robert was terrific last night, and that power is coming very easy and smooth for Luis Robert. With all the talk we've given about his speed, about his base running, about his fielding, about his overall physique, him at the plate is, is really, it's really interesting. Because obviously there's a tremendous amount of swing and miss in his game and a tremendous amount of, uh, of anxiety up there at times as he swings at stuff that's way out and, and off the strike zone. But boy, that is a very long and smooth swing from Robert. And maybe long is not the right way to describe it. He himself is so long because he's tall and when he gets full extension, he has a lot of reach with that thing. But it's not as if it's some big old looping swing like Daryl Strawberry or those kind of things. It's, it's actually, it, it strikes me as pretty short mechanically, but he himself is long, if that makes any sense. But boy, he's fun to watch at the plate when he is locked in like this and the power is coming easy. But when we get to that aforementioned first round playoff series with the White Sox, we'll be looking at the bullpen a lot. And we'll be wondering what Tony La Russa is going to do with that bullpen. And last night I thought was a fascinating moment for that bullpen as Craig Kimbrell got the seventh. Maybe he would have gotten to start the eighth as well if Salvador Perez had loomed in the eighth. He ended up facing Salvador Perez towards the end of that seventh after allowing a check swing single. And then he got Perez with a nasty, nasty strikeout. But it's just fascinating in the first place that Kimbrell gets the seventh. Eleven times in his big league career, he has pitched in the seven innings, seventh inning. That's it. Eleven times ever for Kimbrell, who's been in the league a long time. By the way, five of those 11 times have either been this year before last night or 2020 last year when doubleheaders were seven inning games. So he was in a more traditional closer role or final inning role in five of those 11 seventh inning appearances. The bottom line is this is super, super rare for Kimbrell to be given the seventh inning. And it's something that he has to be ready for. Because clearly Liam Hendricks is the closer. 
And Craig is the setup, and we've talked about that plenty. And that doesn't appear to be changing. And so it's Craig who's got to get used to it. Just flat out get used to it and be ready to be your best self in the 8th or perhaps even the 7th. And he seems more up to that task in recent days. Um, Sal Perez was absolutely on fire last night. and He's been on fire for a while. One of the hottest sluggers in the game. His numbers of late are outrageous. He's locked in against absolutely everybody. I applauded that dude in person a couple of weeks ago at Wrigley. So much respect for Sal Perez and would applaud him again. Just a great defensive catcher, a really solid veteran leader, and oh, by the way, now a 40-homer guy, the second in the history of the Royals. Jorge Soler was their first ever a couple years ago. And now Sal Perez, the second 40-homer man in the history of the Kansas City Royals. But he homered off Renato Lopez last night, who came back down to earth a little bit. He homered off Michael Kopech last night. Kopech gave up a couple bombs, in fact. A little bit troublesome. And then there he was again in the seventh, and he faces Kimbrell. Listen to Tony La Russa last night talking about how Kimbrell had to be the guy to face Salvador Perez. Two outs and nobody on. You know, if somebody gets on base, Perez is up, and, and Craig had to be the guy to face him. So uh, a lot of theater there that inning after what what Salvador did, those two three-run homers were it made that game a very tough one for us to win. But uh, no, that was – so you counted up and you knew that Perez was fourth that inning. Called down there, and uh, he was great with pitching the seventh. You know, that was, that was the inning of decision. The inning of decision, this is true. That is nice to see that, look, unleash your best. I mean, maybe Kopech would have kept going if he had not gotten beaten around, but maybe not because Ronaldo only gave you four. So love seeing Kimbrell in the seventh. Don't be afraid to do that. It's modern baseball. Use your best guys at the innings of decision. And then it's how Kimbrell got Sal Perez that I loved. Um, listen to Sal Perez talking in post about how Kimbrel has always attacked him. That at bat with uh, Kimbrel, were you were you looking? For, was that one of those ones where you were looking That's for a slider? Always to you, uh, I faced him a few times, you know, and he tried him on a lot of fastball, you know. So today he just he changed the plan, you know. I was on my plan looking for fastball, you know, and, and maybe I should be should be a little bit more patient on that. But he 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 wanted the bear. I never see a slider like that, you know. Cool by slider like that it's in between. I don't know. It's super hard to. That's coming on the look like a fastball, you know, and the last moment, boom, it just grab out of the table. So he's one of the best clubs at the gate, too, you know. He just tried to do my job. He tried to do his job. And tonight he win. That's Salvador Perez talking about the Kimbrel knuckle curve, which looks like a fastball and then falls off the table, as he says at the end. And once again, sometimes people call that a slider. It's actually a knuckle curve. It registers on some stat cast metrics, some not metrics, but some of the measurables, um, pitch FX and some of the other things as a slider. Savant, does Savant call it a slider or a curve? It, it, I've always been told it's a knuckle curve and that's the way that it's gripped and thrown. It doesn't really matter. He only throws that one breaking pitch, regardless of what Mass Vaskersian has told you on Sunday nights, how Kimbrell added a curveball. No, he's always thrown a curveball. That's what he throws. Savant anyway, lists, lists it as a curve. They do. Okay. Well, and that's what it is to me. He threw five pitches, did Craig Kimbrell, to Salvador Perez last night. Five pitches. Four of them were knuckle curves, and none of them were in the zone. 
nasty from Kimbrell to Perez, knowing that he was looking fastball and just never gave him anything to hit. And Perez couldn't lay off it because he knew that was his moment. It's a two-run game, 9-7. He already homered twice, wanted to do it again. That's what a good reliever is supposed to do. So good for Kimbrell. It's fascinating to see him used there in the seventh, and he will need to be ready whenever in the playoffs. The bullpen usage is going to be super fascinating to watch in the playoffs because Tony, frankly, is, is not at the forefront of what is happening around the league right now. This team's bullpen has been built more traditionally, and he is a guy who you expect to manage it more traditionally. And I'll be interested to see if that bites them in the playoffs or not. And hopefully it does not. I want a good, long, deep run from these White Sox. I, I dream of using a potential and hopeful media credential for a World Series game. Let's go for White Sox. I want you, the White Sox fan, to have a long, long run. And maybe you will. Last week, I, um, I had mentioned that the White Sox didn't pass the eye test to me, nor really the stats test at the moment. And it, it's difficult here in this month to gauge everything that's going on because there are a lot of different issues. But I have to admit something. When we come back, I'm going to admit something and because I've reached a point with these White Sox that I did not expect to reach, at least for the regular season. I've reached a point that I have to admit, and I want to talk about with you. I wonder where, if others are there with me as well. Lots to talk about today on Hit and Run. It's an interesting time, and it's our final full show for the regular season. Next week, uh, I won't be doing Hit and Run because I'll be doing pre and post and the fifth inning for the Cubs against the San Francisco Bryants as they come to town. Looking forward to one final game being part of that broadcast very much. That's next week. And then the week after that, you got Bears pregame right here on a Sunday. Week after that, you got Bears pregame again right here on a Sunday. Maybe there'll be some special hit and runs that will squeeze in along the way, either late September or certainly early October as the White Sox are running. This is usually what happens here in September. We get the treatment here at Hit and Run. Oh, football. Oh, look, it's football. Aren't you important? Uh, actually, I love football, and it is important. But it's our job. It's our duty. It's our birthright, frankly, to rage against the dying of the light. That is the baseball season here on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. Where I've found myself in terms of the White Sox and Tony that I want to talk about with you next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Tony is quick to point out that in 2011, his his Cardinals were 12 games back, I believe, on September 1st, and they wound up winning the World Series. And so he is well aware that you can't take anything for granted in this game. He's going to get his guys who he's putting on the field to play as hard as they can to win a ball game on that given night. But because Tim has had some hamstring issues, he's not going to put him in just so they can catch Houston and get a home game. That doesn't make any sense because if he's hurt going into October, then you've got a big problem because he's one of the catalysts of the offense. Sunday mornings on the score mean hit and run, at least for today and all baseball season long with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Sean Anderson, and occasionally porno for Pyros. And that is Steve Stone from earlier in the week on with Dan and Layla. Look, Stoney's been on board uh, with Tony LaRussa from the get go. I have not. Um, a lot of you have not. I, you know, we've talked about it all last year, off season, leading up to spring training, and then beyond. And I still believe that it was not necessary to do this. It created a ton of distractions, some ugly news cycles, and I still wish AJ Hinch were here for this year, for the future, and beyond. But that's neither here nor there, because frankly, here we are. And I've reached a point that I didn't expect to reach in terms of the rest of the regular season. Speaks with you on Hit and Run, and I want to know if I'm alone here. I have faith in Tony La Russa <laughs> to be in tune with and handle his players correctly over this season's final month. I want to know if I'm alone on this. Where are you guys on this? I realized this as I was writing about the team, thinking about the team this week talking about it in the afternoons a little bit and getting ready to talk to you now. There's a lot to manage. Injuries and recovery for Lance Lynn, for Lucas Giolito, the continued maintenance of Carlos Rodon. I mean, the, 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 the management of the egos of Craig Kimbrell, of Liam Hendricks, of Dallas Keuchel, who continues to be bad and will not have a spot on this playoff roster. will have to be discussed and addressed as we get closer. I mean, there's a lot to manage on this team in the final month of the regular season. The continued maintenance of Yasmani Grandal back from injury. The consideration of outfield time for Eloy Jimenez. Usage for the clearly exhausted Andrew Vaughn. Gordon Beckham last night on the broadcast saying how the piano can jump on your back and has for Vaughn when you play a season like this as compared to the college seasons of your previous life. How about the usage of the relentless Jose Abreu who will not take days off but might have to be told to do so every once in a while. This is a lot to manage in the final month of the regular season. And it is uncomfortable to watch this many things have to be managed. All of these items in a bubble are not things to freak out about. Lynn will be back. Giolito says he'll be back. That hammy acted up. I was a little worried the other night when Giolito did not go out um, from his start, was allowed to throw another couple pitches, allowed to stretch and try and warm up a couple more times. I'm like, what are you doing? You can mess up your arm. 
a lot. But he knows his body, and he was just the hammy, and that's what it was. And it was on the finish, so it wasn't on the earlier part of the delivery, and he was not too worried about messing up his arm. I was, but hey. Anyway, all of these items in a bubble, not that huge a deal. When you put them all together, man, that's a lot. It's a lot. And I have to admit that sitting here on the 5th of September, Tony La Russa has earned the public trust over the course of this year in that way. Do you agree? Am I crazy? Just stop. Yeah. I especially want to hear from the very loud majority who hated this move because I was one of you and I still am in, in, a, in a big sense. But, but here we are. I, I, I feel like he's earned the Sox fan public trust in terms of the handling of this team. Because You know why? Because he's had more humility than I expected overall. He's been willing to be a coattail rider when it comes to the culture in that clubhouse overall. He's had more energy and stamina than I expected overall. I have to admit that here. Now, look... I'm not saying that I have a deep-seated faith in him in the postseason when it comes to managing the bullpen, when it comes to managing the games. Something, of course, could go horribly wrong. I'm guessing you know the rules better. Well, see, that's the thing. Those kind of moments, if something like that ever were to come back again, if anything like that would ever rear its head again in terms of uh, the ghost runner, and that won't be an issue in the playoffs, the Manfred man, as they call it, which I enjoy, blinded by the light. Or do what Diddy is probably a better way to go. Some actual original Manfred man. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that things are going to be great or things are going to be perfect in the playoffs. I don't necessarily even have faith in that. But in terms of managing the team over this final month and trying to hit October healthy and confident, while winning as many games as possible, but not jeopardizing the playoffs by doing so, I actually have faith in Tony La Russa. What has happened to me? What, what is wrong? 312-644-6767. And maybe nothing's wrong. Maybe nothing at all is wrong. Maybe you're right there with me. Interested. Some of the texters getting in at 312-644-6767. By the way, before this hour is out, we're going to give Frank Schwindel his due. We will do that in the final segment of this hour. So, you know, if you're a Cub fan waiting for that kind of thing, it's coming. Oh, it's coming in the final segment of the, of the hour. And then Sahadab Sharma and Ron Coomer next hour before Kevin Goldstein at 11. But um, part of it is Ethan Katz, I think. But here we are in a spot I was not um, positive I would be, and yet here I am. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Let's go to Kendall in Naperville. Kendall, you're on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, on a Sunday morning. What do you say, Kendall? Hey, Matt, how are you? You know, when I'm thinking about TLR, like when, they, when it first happened, I was like, oh, goodness, what are we doing? And then with some of his weird calls and not knowing the rules, I was a little, a little more than concerned. But one of the things I think we don't talk about um, as much is the fact that he's fluent in Spanish. And I think that's a big deal when you've got to build bonds with a lot of these guys who don't speak English very well. And, you know, that, that's a big deal. So, and I thought of that when you had mentioned A.J. Hinch, and I was thinking, well, how is he really going to connect with these guys if he can't speak the language, right? 
Mm-hmm. And TLR can, so I think that's a big deal. I think it is a big deal. And, you know, there was a bit of video that crossed where Yohan Moncada was sitting. Was it a barber chair? What was he sitting in? It looked like it was either a barber chair or like a little corner in an RV or something. But Moncada was sitting there and Tony was talking to him. And he was talking in Spanish to Moncada, and a couple other guys were there. And the look that was on Moncada's face. Did you see this video that crossed a few weeks ago, Sean? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was a, a barber chair. And it also did look like it was also an RV. So I yeah, think we was, can go was, with barber chair in RV. I think it was. I think I hit both possibilities there in my uh, in my description. He was he was in a barber chair at an RV. A, probably a mobile barber that comes to the White Sox and takes care of business out there in the parking lot. That's uh, That's what I suspect. But there's Tony hanging out. It also looked like it might have been after a game, and I might have seen a beverage or two. I'm not sure. But either way, the point is the look on Moncada's face was pure, like, respect and admiration. And just, like, grinning at him for 30 or 40 seconds in this incredibly calm way. It was like, wow, okay, Moncada has full-on love and respect for that guy. So Tony's... Tony's worked at it and earned it with some of those dudes, and specifically with some of the Latin dudes. Just to uh, butt in real quick, AJ Hinch does also speak Spanish. Okay. So either guy would be able to communicate with these guys. Yeah, uh, uh, well, that's good. Uh, That's important. It's very important. But it's just in terms of, I think he has done what he needed to do in terms of being a coattail rider on the culture and fitting into what the White Sox were doing. Texter says, I'm right there with you. I was not a fan of the move. But the thought of, I'm worried that Tony can't handle all of this has not crossed my mind in probably a month or so. Big mistake. I know. Another texter. I think you're right. TLR may actually be the single most qualified human, well, oh boy, to make hard decisions now for later gains. Decisions that media questions. But he's resolute in making. See days off resulting in losses now that prevent home field but lead to healthy dudes deep into the playoffs. Big goals leading to thoughtful decisions, prioritizing a later goal over wins right now. Yeah, he's a he's as much a made guy as there is in the entire industry, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and for worse and for better. But the better is he's just going to make whatever decision he thinks is right and not give a crap about how people are going to talk about him after the after the fact. So look, this is, uh, this is a moment that, that I've certainly reached, and I'm not surprised that some of you have, have reached it as well. And again, I'm not saying I have faith for the postseason, but in terms of managing the volume of decisions or really the maintenance for guys right now and you know prioritization here over the final month as Dylan Cease is the healthy stalwart of your rotation. Think about that. That's where you are as a rotation. I actually find myself with faith in Tony in this way. Let's go to Ron on the south side. Ron, good morning. Welcome in on Hit and Run. How you doing, sir? Hope you're well. Hello, Ron on line two. You with me? Hello. Perhaps not. Sean, are you there? Am I connected? Yes, you are. I don't know what's up with Stan. I'm, I'm working on it right now. Or, uh, right. Not Ron, but Stan's available if you want to go to Stan. Let's go to Stan. Stan in Bellwood. Stan, what's up, man? Good morning. How are you? I find, myself, I find myself in this odd situation with Tony, but I'm trying to elucidate the details of how I feel. What's going on with you? 
Oh, I'm doing fine. A happy uh, last or uh, penultimate uh, hit and run, uh, as usual. Uh, score, mem- score management hasn't gotten a memo that uh, <laughs> September is a baseball month, uh, even more so than football. But uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> hey, I, I take your point. Um, uh, I actually um, uh, agree with you about uh, La Russa. I don't think he's going to uh, – and listen – you know, I'm. Uh, I, I really detested the move. I, I didn't understand it. I still don't. But uh, I stopped getting uh, exercise about uh, you know Larusa being the White Sox manager uh, back in uh, June. I, he's not going anywhere, and I just started concentrating on um, uh, more on the team. So, mm-hmm. but one one thing, one place where uh, in the White Sox are lucky. Uh, in one regard, uh, there are no Earl Weavers or Billy Martins uh, at the helm of uh, these teams in the American League. Uh, he's not going to be outmaneuvered by people like Dusty or Aaron Boone or Kevin Cash. So I think the White Sox are pretty well positioned there. Uh, I'm more concerned uh, about the fact, speaks that a month ago, uh, right uh, after the uh, trade deadline, uh, we spoke, and I really was excited about the White Sox chances. I thought that they were as good uh, as any team that uh, was likely headed for the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. But in the month since, I, it, for some reason, it, the White Sox just haven't really played up to their optimum level. And I, I just, at this point, and we still have, you know, three weeks to go. But today, uh, I think the, the Yanks, uh, the Rays, and the Astros are all better teams than the White Sox right now. And they're just going to have to play to the top of their game. They're going to have to beat two of those teams in order to get to the World Series. I'm more concerned about that than I am about La Russa. But, uh, you know, they still have three weeks to get it together. Uh, I... I no, Stan, 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 let's have the conversation here because they're separate things, you know. And last week I talked about how I see them in the playoffs, and and frankly, I do see them where you see them in the playoffs. Like I'm worried about them outplaying those teams. And then today, th- today and this week, I'm kind of shifting it a little to talk about Tony in the regular season. But in terms of the playoffs, they're gonna have to dominate those teams with elite pitching, and they're they're equipped to do so if Lynn and Rodon or at their peak health and excellence. And that has to be what this month is about to get them there because they're going to have to dominate those teams with, with with great starting pitching and a lockdown bullpen or else they've got no shot because the defense has not been there. Because the, the pitching beyond those guys um, in, yeah. in the bullpen uh, it can, can be troubling. So the question is whether you trust Rodon and Lynn and Giolito and number four Cease to be those guys in the playoffs or not. If if they're pitching and playing at, uh, at their optimum level, they, you're right. They're, they're going to have to tighten their defense up for sure. Uh, I, I don't. I of all of those things on the list, uh, I'm less concerned about Larusa than the others. Surprisingly uh, enough, as that sounds, uh, I'm I'm concerned though that the White Sox are going to have to get their game together because. They're going to be competing against better teams. And I did not think that uh, a month ago. So we'll see what happens.
Yes, we will. Thank you, Stan. Um, look, he- here's a texture who I think speaks to the complicated point that I've been trying to make in this segment. I believe Tony will be able to manage this team throughout the next several weeks without any major issues, but I do not feel good about that way throughout the playoffs. Sox and Kinnan to play good baseball. Okay, so he's a little worried about the playoffs. I'm a little worried about the playoffs. I don't agree with Stan that, man, Alex Cora in the playoffs, um, Aaron Boone necessarily, Kevin Cash, Bob Melvin, when it comes to the modern game, it comes to all the nuances of playoff bullpenning baseball the way it is now. I'm not sure that I take Tony over those guys as of right now. I, you know, my confidence and my peace has to do with the regular season, and I try to be careful to couch it that way. In terms of the playoffs, there is, there's, there's plenty to be concerned about, but we've got, we've got time. To be, to be concerned about. We'll get closer. In terms of the ride right now, in terms of the roller coaster of the season, and in terms of the implicit worry that is in the hearts and minds of White Sox fans, no matter what, I hope you're enjoying the year. I hope you can enjoy it. Jose Abreu is supremely locked in. Talking the talk this week as a run producer, which tickles me to no end, about how he battles when men are on base, pushing against the RBI um, demeaning that goes on um, in, in the grand conversation a little bit. But also just, I mean, taking so many pitches, took a ton of pitches last night, saw a ton of pitches, a ton of pitches, I should say. Not just talking about taking him, talking about seeing him and fouling him off and battling the way he does. Five plate appearances last night, three for four with a walk. He's got 47 walks. 51 is his career high from 2014. That year he had 70 more plate appearances than he has now. So he's got 70 plate appearances to get four walks. I bet he does it. And just last night at facing Irvin Santana, just continuing to battle with men at first and third until he got one that he could handle over the middle and just rocketed it to center, hit it so hard. It's just such a, such a stud. Six of his eight years with 100 RBIs for Tony, for Jose Abreu. Six of his eight years. One year, he missed 34 games. He still had 78 RBIs. The other year where he didn't have 100 was last year, a 60-game season where he was the MVP at 60 RBIs. That means he was on pace for, quick, hold on, let's see, 162 in a 162-game season. And then you look at Abreu's career, by the way, because, look, his achievements these days usually serve as Frank Thomas reminders because every time they'll put up an Abreu stat, there's Frank at the top with ridiculous numbers. He got to 501 extra base hits last night, all as a member of the White Sox in the big leagues. Um, Frank Thomas had more than 900 as a member of the White Sox. Frank finished with 1,028, very high on the list. But it's interesting to think about where Abreu's 501 extra base hits put him. Manny Machado has 535. Bryce Harper has 540. Abreu has 501. He's much older than those guys because he played 10 years in the Cuban League. Imagine where he'd be. Imagine where he'd be. 
with just, I mean, give him another five years in the big leagues, which would be an age 21 debut. He'd be very, very high on that list, and he'd be approaching. He wouldn't be in Hall of Fame category now, but he'd be, people would be talking about projecting and what he would need to do over the final three, four years of his career to get into the Hall of Fame. That's what they'd be talking about with Abreu. And frankly, maybe we still should be. We'll talk about that more in the 11 o'clock hour with our friend Kevin Goldstein from Fangrass. A couple of Cubs guests next hour, Hot of Sharma and Ron Coomer. But when we come back, let's give the man his due in multiple ways, with stats, with little production, with the sound of his own voice as well. Frank the Tank gets some love next on The Score. Hits out of a crouch, the pitch, he swings and hits one to deep left field. Look up, this is long gone. A monster home run for Frank Schwindel. Pirates six, Cubs four here in the fifth. In the uh, Cubs pre and post song, uh, written by yours truly, sung by yours truly, recorded by Tributosaurus. Does anybody not know that at this point? It's pretty bizarre when, uh, when I get the chance, as I'm doing a week from today, to do pregame and postgame on the Cubs radio network that I get to talk right after I hear myself sing. It, how, how frequent has that been in the history of baseball on the radio? I don't know. It's probably pretty unique. A dude sings his own way in. They hit one off that video board. It's reverse engineered like that. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm the pregame guy. I think I'll make a song to lead myself in. No, I did the song, and then I get a chance to do pre. Pretty fun. But there's a line in there about hitting one off that video board, and that has most commonly been Chris Bryant, who hits one off the video board. Is there a count? Um, and, and, of course, it could be the right field video board, which Rizzo did a bunch, which obviously Schwarber did a bunch. Schwarber hit one on top of the right field video board. But we're talking about the left field video board, and admittedly that's the one I was thinking of when we sang the line and did the song. And yesterday, Frank Schwindel with a 450-foot home run off that video, video board. And Frank is on fire. This Frank is on fire. Homered in five of his last six games. Hit safely in 26 of the last 31 games that he has played. He's slugging like crazy. He's not striking out that much compared to guys who slug like that, at least. I know he's less than 20% on the K rate all around baseball. Um, and really, the average K rate around baseball is up at about 26. Where is the average overall K rate? Well, look. Um, because that's been a conversation, of course, happening for several years about the state of the game. But Frank Schwindel's under 20 and slugging like crazy. And as I mentioned earlier, fifth best in OPS and MLB over the last month. I can't find how many people hit a home run off of the video board, but I have a trivia question for you. Okay. Do you know who the first player to hit the, uh, the video board was in left field? First player to hit the video board. Was it the year that it debuted? Yes, I believe so. Um, is he a cub? No, but he's current. He's currently a cub? No, he's he's current. He's a current player still. He's a current player. 
I think it was 2015, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, Pete Alonzo. No, right division. Um, JT Real Muto. No, he was in the Sox division this year, and then he was traded. Sox division this year. There's a lot of clues. Uh, I don't know. Jorge Soler. And he hit Jorge. it off Adam Morgan, funny enough. Really? Yeah. So Soler was the first one to hit it off the video board, and he was a Cub um, at the time. That's pretty cool. Well, there's Frank the Tank there. And you know what he's doing? Look, here's the big caveat, okay? Also, it's, K rate's at 23.4 for the 23. league. 23.4? Ooh, that, that's better. That's an improvement. That's an improvement. Game getting better. Theo doing his thing, working his way. Do you know what I was at last year? What's that, last year? Yeah, 23.4. Uh, oh, 20, okay. That's a good point. How about the year before? You got the year before? Because that was a full season. It was 23, so it's actually gone up 0.4%. Uh, oh, oh, God. <laughs> Theo's doing horrible. <laughs> Hell yeah! Wow. All right, keep facts out of this. Narrative's much more fun. Um, look, I told you we wanted to give Frank his due. He's killing fastballs. Eventually, he's going to get junked up on the regular by all these pitchers, and maybe things will change. I mean, already his numbers against breaking balls are not that bad because his overall numbers are phenomenal, but I think it's nine of his ten home runs have come on fastballs. So that is indeed a big caveat. But, look, give it up for Frank the Tank for now as the Cubs have two 30-year-olds who have been rookies of the month this year. Plus, Rafael Ortega is 30. Plus, Michael Hermosillo is uh, on the aged side in his 20s. What is Hermosillo, 27? Something like that. I can check that. But 26. 26 27 in January. 27 in January. Okay, but all four of those guys are making uh, very good cases to be part of this thing, at least in spring training and from the get-go. Not necessarily guys you hand starting jobs to, but to be part of it. Listen to Frank Schwindel talk about yesterday when the highlight was not just his 450-foot home run, but his grounder that he beat out to first thanks to a beautiful um, head-first slide that he knows he shouldn't really be doing, by the way, but he does it too often. In that moment, it certainly called for that, and he seemed to beat the tag, if barely, and that infield single was the game-winning hit as they walked it off for the second day in a row. This is Frank Schwindel after the game. Oh, that that was awesome. That was the loudest I've heard it here. And, uh, you know, it it was a tough spot coming in here, you know, with those guys being so loved. And uh, it, it had to be tough for fans losing their favorite players and uh, really a bunch of guys they haven't really heard of to to help fill out. But, uh, you know, that, today was unbelievable. Uh, it's It's been funny with, you know, the Frank the Tank's been there. The Schwindy City's been cool. Uh, but you know, that was, that was as cool of an experience I've ever had. See that. I mean, that's beautiful. Good for him, man. That is a baseball lifer. That is a guy who refuses to give up and is getting his chance and doing the most with it. And that is of course true for like 18 people on the Cubs roster. What? 16 people on the Cubs roster might not be here. If it were not for this current circumstance, but they're making the most of it and good for them. Those kind of storylines are all over this roster. But Frank Schwindel is making a case for himself, just hitting the hell out of the ball. How seriously do we take it? How seriously are we supposed to take it? We'll ask Sahad of Sharma next. He writes for The Athletic. And I want to throw, a, throw something at him about this, about this currency that is 
offensive production from outfielders and corner infielders from guys in the middle of their baseball age. It's not something you pay a premium for. So what does that actually mean for the situation that has taken place over the course of this year? Sahadev and Ron Coomer, as I give you a promised deep dive, and then we will have dove or divin or dived into the Cubs and what their offseason should bring as they build for next year. Kevin Goldstein at 11. We're here until 12. It's Matt Spiegel with Hit and Run on 670 The Score. He's on the team for next year. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.